0: 358 days since an A-League finals campaign without the Brisbane rule kicked off, but for the first time since February 2010, here we are. It's Brisbane Football Review, start of the end of season specials with James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network, and well, look, we didn't really want to be getting to these specials while the calendar still read April, but unfortunately, here we are. So, Adam, 27 rounds gone, and what are your thoughts? Well, so
1: unfortunately, it was, um, it, was, it was really expected. You know, I think a long way out from home, we knew the Raw, we're going to miss the finals. So you know, it doesn't come any surprise, but I almost say thank God the season's over and think it's been... Been a bit of a nightmare, I think, as a raw supporter, and um,
0: yeah, look, onwards and upwards. Scott, we aren't quite at Mad Monday stage yet, so you have to put the bottle away. But where are we at now? Oh,
2: are you sure? I mean, this is the perfect time to start drinking, isn't it? After this season, I mean, season of the raw had it's time to start drinking. But February 2010, I can't even remember what I was doing back then. It's uh, been a long time since the raw haven't been in the finals, and that's probably a testament to that really great Brisbane raw team we've seen over the last few years. The fact that they didn't just win championships, they were always. In the hunt, but for this year, it's it didn't go to plan. That's putting it mildly, but this game on last Thursday was highly entertaining. I thought I thought it was a, a, not the right result, but a really good way to end the season. Absolutely, we've got a lot to cover today as well. We're not just going to be
0: focusing on the Brisbane role. We do also have a lot of local football action to touch on as well, and we might even make some picks for the upcoming A League final series because I think go, I think we've all got some uh, picks to see how we go there, but let's start off with that Anzac Day game at Suncorp Stadium. Brisbane Royal Adelaide United finished 5-3 to the Reds, but as is seemingly always the case now, there was some wild and wacky stuff going on Thursday afternoon, and it all started early on when uh, Milly Uznich opened the scoring in the fourth minute, and I think there was a collective groan in the box where we were sitting.
2: It just really encapsulated the season, this whole game in a nutshell, didn't it really? I mean... Slow start for the raw, some sloppy defending, but some really good play in attacking third. That's basically the um the map of the season in a lot of ways. But yeah, the start with Millers, that was a really soft piece of defending, wasn't it? I mean, a free header, what three yards out? Maybe maybe at the if six that, yard yeah. box, yeah, roughly somewhere around there. I mean, that's just not great defending, and a great start for Adelaide. But that's what we've seen a lot of this year from the raw, unfortunately. And something that Robbie Fowler's going to have to address over the long off season. Yes, and new
0: coach was in attendance, Adam. And what do you think he would have been thinking?
1: Uh, I was thinking, why am I here? <laughs> um, look, <laughs> I yeah. I would have been the the a That's my the, line, the, not yours. The, the the way the way raw started, I, th- I think the last post my they didn't realise the last post finished ten minutes prior because they really were they, they just they just cannot let um a quality player like Mel Melusnitch, you know, just you know, saunter in the box and head home, you know. It's just it was just yeah, it was Again, it's just more of the same, and, you know, it really, yeah, and, but thankfully they sort of, you know, it is been a trait that's a slow start, and it almost woke them up.
0: Yeah, it did, and they, they did bounce back eventually, and actually wound up taking the lead into half-time with goals from Dylan Wenzel-Halls and Nick D'Agostino, and I I think the biggest, you know, threat to Dylan Wenzel-Halls' career might be the turf on the outskirts of Suncorp Stadium's pitch.
2: I, I thought it was the concrete. I thought yeah, it was a little he, concrete, he, gutter thing there.
0: Yeah. Well, fake turf then.
1: Yeah. I did. I did. Uh, I was in a conversation on uh, Twitter with um, Chief Executive Dave Pure saying that they should put the flamethrowers back. That might keep, might keep him away from the fence. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, wouldn't mind yeah. seeing that
2: back. actually. I've seen yeah. his name edited to Wenzel Falls after it's happened a couple of times. Now, please let that stop. Yeah. Well, that's to be fair though. He
0: only seems to fall when he scores. So I'll happily yep. take him falling so, over twenty times next year. I season. think Adam's <laughs>
2: idea of bringing back the flamethrowers to prevent him from going near the fence in the first place might be a good start. <laughs> But that front three actually did really combine really well once again. We saw it against Wellington when, when they won that game with Bojack, Wenzel Halls, and D'Agostino combining really well. We saw that again last week against Adelaide. That's a, that's obviously Bojack's leaving, we might get to that later, but that combination was really encouraging towards the end of the season. And the fact that the young guys were a part of that, that's a good sign going forward.
1: It was actually something different for a change where where the Raw, instead of having the first 20 minutes where they seem to spark and then sort of fall away, they actually finished much stronger in the second half. And, and in the first the second half of the first half and um, yeah look two two good goals you know um, 45 plus 5 uh and Dagostino had home and that actually so sort of, it, it felt that you know the raw could go on with it um, so sort i of, uh, was you know they take the impetus you know into half time
0: yeah and we should also point out as well Paul Izzo absolute killjoy ruining Matt Mackay's chance of a goal on his final game didn't he read the script what is that about yeah, I know. Oh, it, it's on. utterly ridiculous, but not much you can do about that, unfortunately. Uh, but and Hawes was, of course, there for the rebound. And I got to admit, it was actually a really good header from D'Agostino to give the raw the lead as well.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a brilliant header into that into the corner. I mean, it was actually a really good crosses as well from Bojack on the right. It was one of the few times when those crosses in from the from the wide area actually hit the mark. We saw a couple of them earlier on that were just slightly overhit. This one was perfect, and it was, was a brilliant more than a couple header. And it was all afternoon. Yeah, actually, from both sides. Yeah. But that the cross for Botiak and Dagestan for that goal right on half time that was that was really well really good execution.
0: That was the definition of pinpoint cross. Uh, then you know, another slow start in the second half. George Blackwood managed to get there for what was possibly the easiest goal he will ever score in his career, just tapping it in.
1: Yeah, look, um, the, credit, the credit sort of in a way goes to um, Craig Goodwin on that, where he sort of you know cut him from from the left, pa- like past a couple of. Uh, would be tacklers. Um, look, and I think uh, we don't like to point out players too often, but you know, I think Ruan Tongik, he was just all see there, and uh, he didn't track Blackwood, and that was just a, it, it was an easy tap-in. Yeah. So
2: the one thing I will say about Tongik is he did come back early from injury. It was suspected he would not play after his injury towards the end of the season, but he did come back. So I do wonder if he was not 100% out there, which might have led to that. What Adam's talking about? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll. I i do not think any. I, and of it was, it was really
1: again another another tough day at the office for um, Daniel Leck. If you thought Joe Chapman was was tough to mark, you know, you know. Two weeks ago, then you know having to mark you know Craig Goodwin, who's probably one of the premier wingers in the league, that was just and look he did he actually did all right um to a certain point you know it could be more but you know, like the like I said that he just got caught out and um look with Tony not sort of you know, tracking Blackwood's run in the middle yeah it was um, there's only going to be one
0: result it it was the definition of a side limping to the finish as well and look Daniel Lake he was learning on the job at right at right back I think. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to go to Darren Davies in the press conference after the game because we did actually ask him about that. Blake's been learning on the job at right back. What have you made of his progression over the last couple of months? It's been tough, hasn't it? You
3: know, you know, seven games ago, he'd never played at right back. Um, and we we threw him in for one youth team game um, because of the, the, the amount of injuries that we had. And he's remained there ever since. So... Um, he has been learning on the job, as you quite rightly say. There's been some uh, tough learning moments for him, but what I will say is he's given it everything. Um, and um, and as you say, you know, there's 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 a number of youngsters. I mean, you know, we've obviously got Lex at right and back. You know, we've got uh, Isaac at, at left back. Um, you know, young Zaki. Yeah, I agree with uh, what you say. You know, that he was uh, thought it, that was his, possibly his best game yet as well. In the, in the middle of the park, he only grew stronger. Um, so. There's a number of other youngsters, and I know I'm missing names, but um, you know, the, the, as a, as a core group of youngsters, they've been given opportunity, and they will only be better for that, yes.
0: So that was Darren Davies there in the post-match press conference after the Raw's 5-3 loss against Adelaide United. and He talked about a lot of the young players there, and they all had... We actually got to see quite a lot of young players this season as well, and I thought Isaac Powell wasn't disgraced. Like he's no. someone who's 17, so he's still obviously got a lot of growing to do as a player and possibly physically as well. Because I don't think I'm, oh, I haven't got my growth spurt, and I'm 29.
2: It'll it'll happen one day. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 coming. It's all right. Yeah, that's it. And you're then right. we also, by the
0: time you're 30, you'll, you'll be you'll be a giant. But I also do want to make note of Daniel Leck, and this is going to segue yep. into the next point as well. not Daniel Leck, Um. Zack Duncan. Zach Duncan, thank you. All the 30 numbers confuse me, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I do want to make a special note of Zach Duncan. I thought he was absolutely okay. superb. Like, the games that I've seen him play, even, you know, le- not so much Newcastle, yeah. but when the Roar have played well with him on the park, it's because he's really yeah. heavily involved. And I thought he had his best moment of the season with that slide rule pass to set up... Uh, D'Agostino, yeah. who wound up winning that penalty.
2: I was about to mention that. It's not just that, the control on the passing, passing from Lopez, the control to then beat Isaias, who's a really good defensive midfielder, And not and afraid you, to hack. I was about to point, and your point, the master of the foul near the halfway line. And a dirty yeah. challenge. Yeah. Well, yep. that too. But he skipped past that really well. And then you're right, that slide pass through to to D'Agostino. That was some, that was some absolutely fantastic I'm play. I'm actually
0: surprised Isaias didn't scream yeah. to the referee for a yellow card but for that, getting that, past him. But
2: that... Um, snapshot of play from Zach Duncan was absolutely fantastic. It was the best bit of football the Royal all played all day. Yep. It, it really was. was. It was absolutely perfect. And, you know,
0: D'Agostino didn't really land, uh, stick the landing after getting uh, tripped up by Paul Izzo, did he?
2: No, he didn't. It, how did Izzo not get a yellow card for that, by the way? Yeah. That, that's... Got to be a yellow. And
0: considering some of the hysteria over other challenges I've heard this season, you could almost argue it's a red card because it's putting him in such a dangerous position. If you want to go Maud Flanders, uh, not Maud Flanders, Helen Lovejoy hysterical, (laughs) won't somebody please think of the children? But
2: but back to your point, Zach Duncan has really just emerged so strongly into that midfield. Now, when you look at it, I wouldn't say he would be like a first choice midfielder next season, but he'd certainly be someone you'd want to have in the matchday squad as an energetic midfielder to come in and just add energy because that's what he brings. Above everything else, he brought real energy to that raw midfield when it was desperately needed. And and a question for next week was well, when we're probably
0: looking more towards the future for the raw, would you be comfortable with him as the primary backup for a Stephen Malk next year?
1: Look, I actually think right now, like we don't we don't know what um, what Robbie Fowler has in store as far as recruiting goes. Right now, I would not be afraid to have him as a starting midfielder. Like obviously, as well, maybe going back into his more. Um, even sort coming back his more natural sort of you know centre centre midfield uh, role, which is where he's been renowned to play, you know in in youth league. Um, look, him him and Mork especially that that's, that's two players that you know that are, are very similar, but also as well can bring very different attributes. And look, right now, depending on again who comes in, at this very moment, you say you know what he potentially you know at least for the first couple of games, you know have a gamble and actually throw him in there and you know, and and you know. T- sort of, you know, get the confidence at least for him and then then put him in cotton wool. You see, know, he's still yeah. young, so it's not like playing for a few games then ben- then benching him or whatnot if, if the form starts to dither out. You know, it's a bad thing, you know, but yeah. I think Strockwell's height and I think, I think, you know, if the last couple of performances or anything to go by, he'll go into this off-season, you know, with a lot of confidence knowing that he can actually play at that level.
2: Well, the one thing I really don't want to see is talk about more next week is I don't want to see him back playing in the NPL and the wide league. I don't think he's going to develop much more with that. I think he's now at a point mm. where his development will occur in the A-League. probably talk about more next week. But I think yes, that, we no, that I Dylan Wenzel Hall's path that he took this year is probably something Zach Duncan should be looking at for next season in his position.
0: Works for me. Alright, so we talked about the Duncan pass and the foul that led to the penalty. Let's talk about the penalty itself because... <laughs> I know the rule; you're not supposed to cheer in the media box, but I think everyone just forgot that for about 20 seconds. No, that,
1: that rule. See, you, you've done us for the media box the first time the season that that rule went out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's been gone for a while. <laughs> it's I not, tell it's you
0: not the old-fashioned curmudgeon. Yeah,
1: but I can tell you what, that was. I can tell you that was the biggest cheer of of the season in the in the press box after um after that penalty from Botiak.
0: My only. My only regret, I suppose, is not looking too over to the commentary box and seeing the faces of Brenton Speed and Andy Harper as they were trying to call that, because i got to be honest, if if I was behind the microphone there, I very, very easily could have seen myself swearing.
4: Well,
2: are you giving him actually credit for this? Are you saying it's deliberate or is it a miskick? Because he says it's deliberate, he, talked, says it's deliberate. he uh, talked about it, he said, if I get a penalty in the last game here, I'm going to do something that I'll be remembered for, and obviously it worked really well, but I'm I have to g- think it's at least a little bit of a hit, isn't it?
0: Oh yeah, no. I, it was a total miss hit. I think yeah. he, had, I, I buy the. I'm going to just try and dribble it down the middle. I don't think he meant it was going to go at a snail's pace. <laughs> yes yeah,
1: Well, uh, didn't they call it. Someone call it escargot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think. Look at. I, I. I seem to land on. You know. And I think we, we spoke about it on the post game show on um, on Thursday night about whether it was deliberate or that. Was a few days past... Look, I think it was deliberate, but. I also agree that I don't think he meant it to go that slow, and yeah. And look, also, I think
0: it could very—he could have very easily meant it to be just a little bit chipped as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or yeah, just a little bit off centre. But
2: he's lucky he pl- it went in because it would have been worse. If Castro had his penalty away to Wellington, where he literally yeah, yeah, chipped where he it straight up... into the hands of the goalkeeper. I mean, it would have been ten times worse than that if it doesn't go in.
0: And a flashback to last se- season as well, February, early February game against. <laughs> Yeah, Scott's just coughing up a lung. Um, that early February game against Melbourne City, where I think the Raw lost, it was either 2-1 or 1-0, and Macaroni had a yeah, penalty yeah. in about the 75th minute or so, and he went for the little dink straight down the middle, and it didn't go in. And well, I'm probably one of the few people that actually still remembers that game, but it, like, it would have been similar to that. But look, it worked. Enjoy it. It was a bit of fun.
1: Oh look, that, that's, that's what you could take. You could take out of it. you know what? At the end of the day, I think you speak to like you speak to a lot of people. They'll say, you know, it was probably one of the the memorable moments of the season was Botia's penalty. You know, right, wrong, right, wrong, or indifference. So, look, at the end of the day, you know, like it went in. You no, know, if it didn't, oh jeez.
2: Yeah, he's oh. lucky it went in because we just talked about the great work in the build-up from from yeah. Zach Duncan. If that had it gone to waste, it would have been a massive shame. So he's lucky it went in. Yes. Now, did you want Makai to take the penalty? Yes. Of course. I think everyone was looking for it, weren't they?
0: Yeah, I think... Yeah, everyone around us was screaming, let Mackay take it. Yep. Although, based on his comments at his retirement press conference and what he was doing in his pants, he maybe shouldn't have... uh, shouldn't have been allowed to take it anyway. But... uh, 3-2 there, and the scoring, unfortunately, ended for the Brisbane Roar, but Adelaide... I suppose they showed the difference between these two sides and why Mm -hmm. Adelaide are going to the finals and the Roar are, unfortunately, on Mad Monday celebrations...
2: They've got a, bit, a fair bit of resilience, haven't they, Adelaide? And that'll that'll play a big part in their finals campaign. I might talk about it later, but they did. They really just kept going, didn't they? They were really resilient and consistent in the way they played, and they probably deserved a lot of the goals they got towards the Okay, not the greatest defending from the raw, but the pressure they put on was was very strong.
0: It does come with the caveat of it being, you know, a, a very, very, very makeshift defence. Yeah. But what does trouble me about the fact that they gave up five to Adelaide, though? Since early December, possibly even the start of December, Adelaide have scored, if you take out their games against Brisbane, Adelaide have scored more than two goals in a game once. Jeez. That's That kind of says it was, about the there, way.
1: And that's the thing is, there was talk about Adelaide, about where the goals are going to come, and somehow, some way, they've found five against the raw. But thing, the thing is, is that, as is, well, you take away the first two goals, which were really Disgustingly easy goals for him. Look, the three goals that and they I scored. And I don't buy the, the back high head, foot
0: as well on the Blackwood goal. Oh no, that's right. Seriously, me yeah, we'll won't Forget see speed and yeah. Harper arguing about. Oh, that. Oh, yeah.
1: jeez. We'll leave that. that. we we'll leave that there. I'm sure I'm sure that might kick on in there. What the bald cast? whatever they call it. Yeah. But um, yeah. But look, the goal. Yeah, Goodwin goals scored was fantastic. Um, SAS goal was no sort of almost like the young sort of you know, trickery style. And look, the the Diawara goal actually. I think that was actually very well. Well, very well built I mean, well up. Yeah. In his experience, even though know, he's been you know, he's been absent for I think since the start of like, he's been gone for a while. Yeah.
2: That's why that was really important for them match mm. looking head for them, but for the raw, yeah. that's seventy one goals conceded now for the season, an A League record and Still eleven history. Eleven goals in the last two home games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well look I think it's fair to say that they were as ready for the season to finish as we were. Yep. But let's hear from Darren Davies one last time. We give it our best again, didn't
3: Give it our best and uh, just fell short. Conceded too many goals. You know, possibly you know a story of uh, a recurring story of the season. You know where we just fell short. Um, but um, you know the boys give their all yet again. You know we had moments in the game. We had the lead twice. Um, and um, you know we obviously disappointed in some of the goals we've conceded defensively. Probably could have uh, could have scored a couple more going the other way. Couple of refereeing decisions that could have gone our way, um, and um, but you know that's uh, that's okay. What what I would like to say is you know the, the fans really turned out today. It was it was it was a good atmosphere. The fans were fantastic today. They they lifted the boys. Um, they turned out to um, to a welcome the the new boss. Um, you know B support the boys um, in no particular order, and C obviously uh, farewell. You know, a number of our players, including a couple of uh, heroes as well. So um, now, obviously, we can plan a way forward. Um, the season's over, uh, and uh, we can plan a way forward for, for next season.
0: So that was Darren Davies there for the final time as Brisbane Royal caretaker coach in the 2018-19 season. But his off-season got off to a pretty, pretty good start as well, as we should say uh, congratulations to him on the birth yeah. of his daughter.
1: No, yeah, yeah, congratulations to him. and actually very well-timed as well.
0: Yeah, good thing he hasn't
2: got a finals game to prepare yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to yep. Darren and also to um, former raw player Corey Gamero. He, his partner Lucy Zelich gave birth last week as well. Lucy
0: Zelich, I think I've heard of her a few yeah, times. You might have.
1: That's going to be one sought after um, you know, pedigree there. Um, you know, in, in about in about fifteen years' time, that's
2: two future Matildas right there. We only mm. need nine more for the side. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good start anyway. Um, playing on Anzac
0: Day, so I think that was actually a really good. Like, they did it really well, the pregame, the occasion, and whatnot. The result, obviously not ideal, but I thought it actually, like, I love the fact that the Roar are possibly going to have an occasion game now.
2: It was actually really good because I went home and watched the pregame show with Fox Sports, and they did a really good job of covering the history of football on Anzac Day. Stuff that I know I had no idea about. And that was really, really cool the way they covered it. And the game needs tradition. And if this can become a tradition where Brisbane hosts a game on Anzac Day, and it becomes against Adelaide every single year. And that becomes a traditional thing where we all look forward to it. The season ends with Brisbane Royal v Adelaide on Anzac Day. And that becomes a tradition. It can grow and grow and grow and be something really good for not just Brisbane, but also for the league. Because there's not enough tradition games around the league. You think about it, The only one other one I can think of is the Mariners playing on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Outside, of that, there's not many other games which are traditional locked in on a particular day.
1: And and if if it's gonna be the final game of the season as well, look that's that's a game you could look forward to as well because look we know Raw this season's just a complete write off, but you know perennially, you know, Adelaide and the Raw have always been in finals. So that could always That you know, almost could be, you know, a, a quarter final like environment where you get a finals game a week before the actual final start.
0: And while it didn't mean anything for the Raw, I should also point out Adelaide needed to win to get themselves mm. into fourth spot and a home yeah. final. And Frankly, it's a, it's a good thing that they did win because we saw City thump the Mariners the next day.
2: Yeah, it is. And, of course, Wellington, the other team who could have potentially got that final, they got beaten by Perth. But, yeah, it was not much on it for Brisbane, but for Adelaide, it was everything on that game. They obviously desperately wanted that home final. And you're right. I mean, this year, yeah, nothing on it for the Raw. Doesn't mean there won't be anything on it next year or years to come. I mean, that's I there that. will be a time where that game is massively crucial for both sides. And, that alone, the, and given the on-field rivalry between these two teams it's probably a good fixture to have between the two teams. Because if, if that on-field rivalry continues with red cards, drama, all the rest of it... Goals. Yep, goals. It'll be... It'll take it to the next level again.
1: Yeah, like I said, ne- nearly 12,000 there as well, which you know, given, given sort of the um, aven- misadventures of the Raw this season, that's actually a pretty healthy crowd. And if we're all competitive, that crowd is only going to build.
0: Yep, yeah, definitely. And I'm pretty sure next year, Anzac Day is on a Saturday as well. So it could get that primetime Saturday
2: treatment. You would hope so. Yeah. I, I'd probably prefer it became a traditional two o'clock kick-off. two o'clock kickoff on the on the sat, on Anzac Day. If there's other games after it on the Sunday, that's fine. But that time slot should always be Brisbane v Adelaide from now on. And the way it is with virtually. other with other codes having a particular game at a particular time.
0: Yes, and also just thinking about it as well. Just my personal opinion. I actually think SunCorp Stadium looks better in the that late afternoon, early evening yeah. time, slot, time slot rather than the primetime It's the first
1: time in a very, very long time yeah, as a fan or in the media or whatnot ca- actually leaving Suncorp Stadium and it's still light. Yeah. So, it's actually, it's pretty a pretty cool novelty actually.
0: Yeah, it was nice being able to come home for dinner. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was also the farewells from Akai and Enrique. Enrique got presented at halftime and, I, I know Mackay wouldn't have wanted to have gone off when it, he was down 5-3, but it was nice to give everyone that one last chance yeah. for a send-off.
2: Oh, that was really well-timed as well. It was probably the right time to do it as well. I mean. They had a couple of false yeah. starts on that. They did. They had Coletti up a couple of times. So I wonder if Mckay like, said, no, give me another minute, give me another minute. But it yeah. was actually good for the crowd to be able to have that last moment to give him a round of applause and and send him off into retirement.
0: As is he, as well and truly deserved. All right, we're going to take a break and come back and talk about the local football results over the weekend. We'll be back right after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review.
2: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review.
1: We'll be back after this.
0: And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for our... For the first of our uh, season finale shows, I think we're doing two. That's right, guys? Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think you said you want us out of your house after that, so yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I'll have to, I'll have to uh, debug it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's this segment's going to be uh, NPL and FFA Cup-focused. A lot of local action, but before we get into that, should do some plugs. Obviously, you can get in contact with us, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on the Raw season, NPL games, whatnot... Send it in. We we'll, might even try and read it out next week. Uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review. It's still a very long story. Uh, Twitter, at BNE Football. And podcast is obviously on Wooshka, iTunes, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn.
2: It's our number one goal in the off-season, isn't it?
0: Yeah, get that name. Change Absolutely. on Facebook. All right, I've stuffed around enough. Let's get into our NPL recap, starting with what was a classic game Friday night out at uh, Redlands, as Redlands United beat Moreton Bay three-two. Adam.
1: Yeah, look, um, we so- we spoke about it on the post-game show which on which is, is on night. our Facebook
0: page as well. Yes, after uh, most NPL match weeks. Yep. Yeah, we have a decent host. Oh, I wouldn't go that far
2: I wouldn't go that far It's the best The best we could find On a zero budget Yeah The animals too good I actually either. was go-
0: I actually was contemplating Going out to that game As well at one point Then I got the commentary Assignment for Saturday I was like no, I'm researching Anyway yes
1: that yeah. no, no, no So look uh, Congratulations to Redlands um, Look I think I uh, think Graham Rossolts down there is almost short of a miracle worker because they were very, very ordinary. The start of the season, a bit of recruiting, um, a bit of recruiting, sort of, and whatnot. And, and some known quantities. You know, Kadoichi is going to really sort of, you know, make them a much better team um, offensively. And look, they, they knocked over a team that was in form in Morton Bay. I don't think they'd be too happy. They they fought, tried to fight back, you know. Late in the game but they fell short. But um, look, Redlands are up in eighth spot at yeah, the moment, which yeah. we were thought
2: wow yeah. You mentioned Kato Ech. He's a no he's a known quantity around the MPL He's played a lot of, for a lot of different clubs around the around the local football for a while and he adds a real real good counterpoint to Shuto Kubiyama, their, their their other striker that used to be just a one out thing where if the goals didn't come from him, they didn't come from anywhere. Now you've got two guys up there who play off each other really well in the combination. Seems to be working really well. So that's going really well for them and they have turned the corner right and David Slyn at the back's added yeah, to that the as one. well. But for Morton Bay, again, they had a dozen or more chances they could have got to me out of this game. And for them again, it's just that consistency in the front third. I mean, if they took a lot of their chances they would be much higher up the table, but they just did not take their chances in this game, unfortunately for them. But for Redlands, you're right, it's a massive turning point for them and hopefully for their sake it's the start of a renaissance.
0: And also the Arctic Blast at Cleveland Showgrounds on a Friday night probably provided a bit of an assist as well.
1: Yep. Sorry, um, it's actually ninth. Uh, they're up to now they're eighth on Saturday night, but then the result on Sunday <laughs> drops from drop one spot. But yeah.
2: Yep. So th- that was that game, and Saturday was the game. Adam and I were at Gold Coast United and uh, Gold Coast Knights. Beg your pardon. Don't Brisbane, mix those two up. And Brisbane Raw no. Youth. That was another really entertaining game. I mean. Even youth, though it
0: finished 3 0 to Gold Coast Knights, it did.
2: But in that first half, the raw youth really put them under a tremendous amount of pressure. We asked Jake Goodship about that, but let's think he, was, he had them playing really compact. That's what Adam and I really noticed, and it was really evident. It caused Gold Coast Knights a lot of problems. You missed your chance for a segue there, Scott. Let's hear from Jake Goodship now. Jake, not the result you were hoping for tonight, but I really look forward to that first half in particular from your side.
4: Yeah, um, it was a game of two halves. First half we were a better team by a long way, and we felt we should have maybe scored one or two and come up in the half-time, maybe in the lead. Um, In the second half, it was a bit disappointing. Some big mistakes, and we'll learn from that.
2: You mentioned that first half. From our vantage point, it looked like your team was very compact in the way you were defending. Was that a tactic you set out with before the game?
4: Yeah, look, we we, we are... (laughs) sounds strange because they're best players essentially central, but we identified a certain area where we felt we could take advantage off, um, and I felt we did that well, um, out of possession and in possession as well at, at the time, so yeah, it's quite happy about
2: it. And coming off the bench, Harry Talbot, he had a quite an impact in the the bench. How do you think he played?
4: Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, we're, we're at a stage, unfortunately, where we've got players playing school football this morning and then coming into to us in, at night, so we've just got to manage loads of players. But yeah, I thought he had a good impact, but I thought across the board, about seven or eight players really stood up tonight. Um, so yeah, very happy, with, uh, very happy with the sub's impact in
2: general. And we're approaching the midway market season season. How do you assess your side's performance so far in the season?
4: Yeah, I think um, from the inside in, I think we've done fantastic. The amount of players that have stepped up to the A-League. Uh, the amount of players stepping up from the younger boys to play in the NPL. So I think the next few weeks, we'll start with Gordon where we're at. Um, we're going to get players back in the fold. Um, so that would be an indication of truly where we're at. Um, I'm happy where we are. I think we're, we're doing okay. I just don't think where we currently on the table is any yeah. justice. Um, if we stopped conceding goals at sitting moments in the game, you know, we'd be a bit higher up. And um, I think we've, we've been very competitive.
2: I think you play Olympic next week. I'm looking forward to that match up there, one of the top sides of the competition as well. Another, yeah. another strong test for yourself. Yeah,
4: um, I think Ben Khan's a fantastic coach. They're well organised. Um be similar to to tonight in terms of the challenge they're posed so it's something that we'll stand up to and we look forward to it it's going to be a good week in training Uh, you want to play the best teams and Olympic adds strength to the competition uh, but you want to play against it's exciting
0: alright that was uh, Royal Youth Coach Jake Goodship there on the 3-0 defeat to Gold Coast Knights that's one of the other games Lions won almost as expected 4-1 over South West Queensland
2: yeah the Lions are just continuing on out there no Thunder aren't the strongest of teams but Lions are just they're really they're in that mode last year but they just kept winning and winning and winning and they seem to be in that mode again at the moment, which is probably a concern for a lot of other teams around the league.
0: Yeah, and I think they've got the fewest goals conceded in the competition as well, seven so far from their twelve games.
2: Yeah, look, but hey, well, mind
1: you, seven. Considering they, they can see they conceded ten all of last season, regular season, to be seven already after twelve rounds. It's um, yeah, they're not as formidable at the moment. But look, it's still a very, very strong back four, even without Captain Matthias Simic, who's recovering yeah. from injury at the moment. So there's, there's a bit of change at the moment at lines in defence. But it's business as usual. So for I was them.
2: going to say, with Matthias Simic out, that's not to be. That's a bit of a you expected that to a certain extent. I mean, I think he's going to be back ahead of that big game against Peninsula in a couple of weeks. And I think Andy Thompson also didn't play against South West Queens. I think they were just resting him with games coming up during the week. So, but They've got a tremendous array of options to choose from, no matter who, they, who they've got on the side.
0: That's right. And in Saturday's other game, Brisbane City 5, McCoyham with Sunday's Magpies, Crusaders United FC, 0. I had to uh, get that in one more time. Yeah.
1: Uh, look, Brisbane City, that was a good um, sort of... I guess fill up for them as far as, you know, for confidence goes, two goals to Alex Fechner, two goals to John Carlos Solzano and an absolute cracker from Jesse Rigby. Um see so, so they're, they're I think they might be ready to turn a the corner. They've got a big game tomorrow night. I think they'll go in that game confident in the F A Cup. But Magpie's Crusaders, yeah, that's um losing like this at home for the second straight game. I think there's problems for them.
2: Yeah, I'm starting to get worried about them, actually. I mean, we saw last year, they were not, not they were more than competitive down here in Brisbane, but they got a lot of points up at up in Mackay, and that's what led them to a comfortable mid-table finish in the end. And now they're dropping a lot of points at home. Yeah, I'm with Adam. I'm getting a little bit concerned about them.
0: Should uh point out, Brisbane City, that win actually got them back to a zero goal difference. So that, you know, in that... yeah, Not that we think they're going to really be in the relegation battle this season, but you have to think that when it comes to placings going forward this season. That'll be very, very important for them.
2: And they've also got back their two wins now that they lost because of their inel- ineligible player situation. So they're back to where they were before that. Yes. All
0: right, uh, Sunday triple header. East 1, Western Pride nil, Gold Coast United 3, Sunshine Coast 2. And a 1-1 draw between Olympic and Brisbane Strikers, which you two were out as well. And this is what Owen Baker had to say about that game.
2: Early penalty by your side there, but a really good fight back. And in the end, you probably could have got more out of the game, couldn't you?
5: Yeah, listen, Olympic's never an easy place to come Uh, and we came with a game plan tonight and obviously looking for a response after last week Um, and we felt quite unlucky on the penalty, it would be interesting to see on the video obviously, Uh, but the boys put in a committed performance and you know like we we, we were waiting for those moments at the end and we had a good chance there and the keeper's made a good save but Olympic had good chances too but tonight we showed a lot more desperation and uh, organisation and how we defend. So you, were, so, you were
2: really looking for a response after that loss
5: to Coast Knights last week? Yes, losing 6 1 in this league is not acceptable. Um, and, and we were, you know, we weren't we were, good enough, obviously, last week. So, we have to have a response. Um, you know, and like I said, we come here with a game plan. We worked hard in a week. Um, and, the, the, you know, the players executed it quite well tonight.
2: Another tough game came up with against the Lions in the Cup Before another game at the weekend against Magpies it's a busy week for you isn't it
5: Yeah it's a big week you know the Cup's great the Cup's a fantastic competition we can go to the Lions and throw everything at it it's, that's what you do it's the Cup it's, uh, so, and we will we'll give it a red hot go um, but then Ma- the Mackay game's huge for us we need three points in the league so it would be good you know,
2: we've, got, we've got to keep one eye on that as well yeah, You mentioned the league we've got approaching the midway mark of the season now how would you assess your size performance so far this season uh, Listen we're Disappointed with a few
5: of the performances. I'm not going to lie, um, but it's a new group, you know. So we knew we knew it wasn't going to be uh, smooth sailing. So we've um, each week, you know, to be fair to the players, they keep coming in, we uh, nice. and we keep, we keep trying to get better. Um, I think tonight was a some tonight was a good forward step. Um, so I hope and I think uh, I expect us to be better in the second half of the season. That's for sure. Right, well, best of luck against Lions on Wednesday and, and the weekend
0: against Bank
2: Place. Thank you. All right, so that was
0: uh, Owen Baker ahead. there from Brisbane <laughs> Strikers talking about a side one-one draw with Olympic, and you got to think that's actually a big result for
2: Strikers. Well, it was. He really wanted to reaction, he stressed it there as you heard. He after they lost six-one to Gold Coast Knights at home, they really wanted to react, and they got it because they were they were absolutely determined in this game. They were going to get something, and they, they, we'll get might get to their set piece goal in a minute. But the the more the game went on, yeah, Olympic had plenty of possession and chances, but. By the end, if, if the strikers had to nick something in that last 5-10 minutes, you wouldn't have said it's undeserved. The way they were playing, they it's by far their best performance that I've seen from them this season. and It does show that, yes, it's a young side, a rebuilding side, but there's plenty of potential there.
1: Yeah, look, a uh, deserve, deserve point. And I think, I think on the other side of things, they're a bit of a worry for Olympic at the moment. I think they're... I think their form. So I don't think they're going badly. I just think it's starting to flatten out. I think see, it, that was a t- that was a tough game on um, Sunday. I think you know, Strikers brought it. I, it's a game I think they get up for. And look, I think one all draw. I think I think it was a fair, fairly deserved sort of result either way. But I uh, I know uh, Olympic would be a lot more disappointed.
2: Do you think it's possible that maybe the game meant more to Strikers than it did to Olympic? Possibly, given that determination. I also think that look, I don't, I'm not as concerned about Olympic as Adam is. I think that. If I was Ben there's no way I'd be panicking, because they were missing Alex Smith and Yoel Scholl in this game. And that's their two primary goal-scoring outlets. So if you don't have those players, you're going to bring get them back at some point. I think they will be, they'll be more than fine going forward. They're still extremely strong, but I do think, given the fact that Strikers were so desperate for a reaction, it might have meant more to them in that moment. I Not think... that it doesn't mean anything to the Olympic players, but Strikers were certainly up for it.
1: I think their finals, um, like I think their top four spot. I don't think there's any question there. It's just I think, you know, eleven points behind Peninsular Power now. I think any hopes of the premiership may be starting to wane for uh, for Olympics. So uh, I think, but look at the end of the day, they're a good team, got a good squad, and look, they, they're they're going to win more than they're going to lose or even draw. Mm. You now we're talking about. I'm talking as if a draw is a loss for them, but you now I think they'll be disappointed. But look, it's
2: I also- fine. I also did neglect to mention they did have the um, golden boot leader, Chris Lucas, in the lineup as well. So they weren't totally inept up front in terms of options. They had plenty of options anyway, but you look at that side, Alex Smith was a key in addition last year. And when he's not there, it does have a massive impact.
0: And also, I think my other uh, thought on that as well is, keep in mind, it's a long season. We're only just into the middle third of it now, yeah. really. It's entirely possible that maybe these teams are going to have peaks yeah. and valleys. And yeah. look, if Olympic yeah. are going to... Like no one's ever going to be playing at ten out of ten level for yeah. thirty odd weeks or whatever <laughs> it is.
1: That's our potential power. They may but, uh, see. But even when we go, sort of get that. Get to that as well. Peninsula Power, who were on the bye this week. Look, I think for them, the bye is actually coming at the right time for them because their performance on Wednesday night against Sunshine Coast Fire was not a great performance. I think they're the other one there whose form is starting to flatten out a little bit. But they're, at the moment, 12 from 12, they they couldn't be happier. But I think from a form point of view, I think they're starting to flatten out a little.
2: It is also that it's a busy time of the year as well. There's Mm. also FFA Cup games coming up. I know Olympic have a, a big game away to Rochdale tomorrow or Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this. Is every chance that they've prioritised that game. Yep. so that we want to get back to the national round again. Mm. And, ideally, and if that's the case, then, then yeah, you're going to make sure you want to win that game.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, next weekend, Saturday, Gold Coast United against Penn Power. Southwest Queensland Thunder against East. Strikers against Magpies. Sunday, Moreton Bay against Sunshine Coast. And Brisbane Roar against Olympic. Tuesday will be Lions against Redlands. Gold Coast Knights are on a bye. And the City Pride game is to be, con- uh, to be confirmed because... Apparently it's meant to be on Saturday, but prior to playing Burley in the FFA Cup. So check out, check that out with the clubs as just, well.
1: Just, just going back to the results from the weekend. I missed, we missed not to mention Gold Coast United and Sunshine Coast on Sunday night. that the, what a game that was. Where, where um Gold Coast United were cruising two nil up. Then um, in the last five minutes, Sunshine Coast drew two all, and then Michael Thwait scoring the winner in the 93rd minute with a header up at Kiwana, So
2: yeah, I just I do hope the young guys at Sunshine Coast who did so well to get that back to two all. I hope their heads don't go. Yeah, I hope they keep up that little performance because they do, they'll get plenty of points.
0: And it is also worth mentioning you can check out replays of all those games on the Football Queensland YouTube channel because it's well and truly worth it. Speaking of, uh, on to NPLW, the main game for the weekend, not just because I was calling it, but because it was also a really interesting game to watch, was at the time, second against third, Morton Bay against Capalabar, and a 2-1 win for Morton Bay got them right up to the top of the ladder. Well,
2: tell us about it, commentator. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was actually, for two sides that were so free-scoring lately as well. It was a real arm wrestle, especially early on, and just... A couple of pl- like a couple of moments either side of half time made by uh, the right winger from Morton Bay, Riley Basin, that just totally turned the match. Yep.
1: Okay. She she's a quality player, um, Riley Basin, and she 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 made a difference this season too. From Morton Bay finishing fourth fifth from last season to getting them right into right in. I feel, look, I think at the moment they between them and Lions. I think they're they're the the main contenders. Capalaba. Uh, uh, up, they until, bad, up, like, it, up until up until uh, I I worry about the, well, we'll find out about Gold Coast United Women as well who who beat Capalabar four one the week prior so I think that the the top four is starting to sort of you know really solidify and it's 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 a scary thing to say you know what the gap might not be there
2: which yeah, well the we'll gap was had their, had a one draw with East but to the game that you were talking about um well, I think this was a massive game may have been the dominant team so far this season. And this game was one that we all looked at and thought, given the start Kapalabar had to the season, this could be a spectacular game. Mm. And Kapalabar now back-to-back losses. I'll, I'm really keen now to see how they're going to bounce back from that because I don't think losing 2-1 to Morton Bay is any, any shame in that, given the fact that that could very well be a finals match-up. Yeah. Like that's, is it, not a team we all looked at the start of the season and thought, yeah, they'll be... In the finals, but given the start they've had, they're definitely going to be in the mix so. I think I think Coach
1: Hannafin will be very, very yeah. um, happy with, with that result, actually grinding our result yeah. rather than trying to just sheerly
2: blast them off, yeah.
1: you know, blast you know, teams off the pitch. So I think there's yeah. some good signs that they are a very, very good team, as that's, we suspected.
2: That's a good point, because the Morton Bay have demolished a lot of teams. They haven't had a lot of close games. And in finals football, you need yeah. good tests. So that actually is a really good win for them.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I get the feeling we'll be seeing uh, those two face off more than once. Uh, yeah as the season goes on as well. Absolutely. Uh, Did also take advantage of Lions being on a bye. The other results, as you mentioned, Gap 1, East 1, Souths 4, Sunshine Coast Wanderers 0, Raw NTC 6, South West Queensland 2, Mitchelton 3-2 over Logan, and Gold Coast United 7-1 over Pride. So, um, one final note actually on Capalabar, Morton Bay. If you are a fan of the Brisbane Raw W League site, it is well and truly worth watching, because you obviously had... Quite a few uh, familiar names there as well. You had Abby Lloyd, Alira Toby, Natalie Tatham, and I'm probably forgetting some others as well. But that's because it was three days ago and yeah. I'm senile.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Alira Toby and uh, Natalie Tatham playing for uh, playing for Wharton Bay. So, uh, just just one one last point on that. Um, the uh, the young raw women um, got a good win. Good win. Yeah. Um, they they seem to be fine. Georgia Beaumont and Charlie Farmer both. Um, both are um, I- national players uh, in the, their age group. I think they're, they've made a real difference. Then they're starting to win. They're, they're up eight. So, could there be a late charge like last season? It was about this time last year where they start that that side start to move, move into the uh, uh, finals places.
2: Well, they finally got their team back together. Given the fact that at the start of the year they had a lot of players away, so now that they've got their full team back. I think if I think are going to see exactly what they're capable of and. Given the fact that there seems to be a clear top three with Morton Bay, Lions and Capella Bar, that fourth spot is up for grabs. Yeah, there's teams like The Gap, teams like South United, who've been in the finals mix consistently for the last few years, but neither of those two sides is consistent this season. So that fourth spot is still up for grabs. Does anyone like the Raw Youth potentially jumping up and taking it's it? It's
1: amazing. I'm just looking at the table now. It's amazing that South are in fourth. And yet we saw them last time, we saw them, they got demolished 9-0 by Lions. So <laughs> it just shows how how inconsistent can be sometimes in the women's.
0: That's it. Um, fixtures for next weekend. Friday, Pride against Mitchelton. Logan against South. Saturday, Lions against Kapalabar. Roar against Gap. And Morton Bay against Gold Coast United. Uh, Sunday, Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Southwest Queensland Thunder. And Easter on a bye. And then a uh, quick run through of the FQPL results because we are actually getting a bit short on time as well. Uh, Kapalabar 4th, South Snell. Simon Smell was commenting on that game straight after the NPLW. Mitchelton 2, Wolves 1, uh, Logan 4, Southside Eagles 0, Sunshine Coast 3, Holland Park 3, and finally Roachdale 4, Ipswich Knights 0. The fixtures for that are Wednesday, so tomorrow night, Wanderers against Eagles, Saturday, Mitchelton-Capalabar, Holland Park against Souths, Logan against Ipswich Knights, and Rochedale versus Wolves. The reason we were rushing through that, though, is we want to touch quickly on FFA Cup Round 5. Um... Tonight, there's as we're recording uh, Logan Metro against Morton Bay. So by the time you're listening to us, you'll probably know the result on that. But the
2: real magic of the cup potential here with Capital League Three, Logan Metro. Yep. If oh, they we... can get this, if they can win this game, it will be the biggest upset we've seen in Queen in Brisbane qualifying.
0: So, I would imagine. Certainly. Uh, Wednesday, you've got Lion Strikers, Rochelle Olympic, Penpower versus City. East against Mitchelton, Holland Park Hawks against Brisbane Athletic and South West Queensland against Logan. So quite a long commute there for South West Queensland, uh, for Logan going to Toowoomba, I mean.
1: Yeah, look, the three, three Blue Ribbon ties in, uh, in, in Lions Strikers, Rochester Olympic, Pempower and City. Uh, I think the game to watch, I think for those, the neutrals, I think will be uh, Holland Park Hawks and Brisbane Athletic. Um, Brisbane Athletic Capital 2 looking to knock over um, FQPL's um, Holm Park Hawks, who have been in pretty ordinary form. So um, that's one that could potentially be, if you're on the cup set alert, that might be the one.
0: Certainly worth keeping an eye on. All right. uh, Saturday, Surf's Paradise Polo against Grange Thistle, Burley against Western Pride, Coomer against Redlands, Palm Beach against Nambour, Yandina United. So if you're listening to us from the Gold Coast, a few games for you to get out to there. And next Tuesday is Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Gold Coast Knights.
2: The rough trip that one isn't it? when you think about it. On Tuesday night, all the way to Budrum from Carrara.
0: Yes, wow. definitely. All right. Um, now, just a quick PSA. This will probably be our final in-depth NPL segment on the podcast for the season because next week we're going to go really heavy on the raw uh, end of season stuff. Looking ahead to twenty nineteen twenty for uh, mostly <laughs> the A League, obviously. Um, so keep an eye on it on our socials as we promoted at the start of the segment. And you two especially will be doing a lot of NPL post-game shows as the season goes on. I don't know where you'll be this weekend. I think that's still up in the air. We were
1: still negotiating just <laughs> just during the break, So
0: Either way, about 10 <laughs> to 30 on Saturday night. Check out our Facebook page where our NPL post-game show will be there because you guys will recap the night's events and also cover what I'm assuming will be more drama, and usually you're able to get a chat with a coach there as well.
2: yeah will probably do plenty of FFA Cup stuff as well, as that draws to the conclusion as well.
0: Yes, we're still working on an exact return date for the podcast for next season, but chances are it'll probably be July when the FFA Cup comes up. Yep. yep. Most likely, anyway. Somewhere late July once the draw is done. Yes. Alright, I'm... Going to say that'll be it for segment two. We'll come back and just quickly talk about uh, some breaking news that came out today and also the Raw End of Season Award. We'll be back right after this.
2: You're listening to the
0: Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the final segment of the first of our. Season, review, end of season show specials. I don't know what I'm on about. Scott, save me.
2: You want me to save you? Well, you're the weekend host. Come on, yeah. weekend host. All right, save so let's talk about host. the Raw Awards. Then. So speaking of the weekend, uh, they were on yeah, Sunday we got, evening over at Lion, the Lion at Richlands.
0: Yes, we've got two topics to talk about, so we'll start off with the Raw Awards. And uh, Gary Wilkins' medal winner was Jamie Young. Was that... Were
2: you at all surprised by that? I was, actually. Just, not that he's had a bad season, but he hasn't. wasn't quite as good as he was Last, I just thought Bochak was the team's best player, and I thought he would have received this award. But I, at first, I thought when I saw it was Jamie Young that it's because Bochak got a couple of red cards, he might have been ineligible for the sort of best and fairest thing. But also, Jamie Young got one against Adelaide, so it must maybe must it was two red cards
0: where they draw the line. It
2: must just be that they thought Jamie was the best player. And look, he did have a pretty good season. I just thought Bochak was marginally better, and I
0: do also think Young's, I suppose Young's influence, like. Uh, helping probably mentor that young defence as the season went on as well? Because, let's be honest, there would have been more than one occasion where he would have had to have picked up, you know, the morale of one of the players.
1: Yeah, oh, look, in the day, I think it might... I'm I'm not sure how it's actually voted upon, um, how how how, kind of... Gary Wilkins himself just picks one. Look, uh, look, he's, he's a good club man. You know, um, yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm a little surprised that he he went to back to back, but you no, know, I'm also on the other hand, I'm not surprised. You know, he's one of the senior players. You know, one of the players who probably can even walk away from the season head held high. So, look, go uh, I and mean, you know, and they said it's pro deserved.
0: And it all is also another point, as uh, James. Jamie Young did post on his Instagram earlier. He it says it's it's a massive step for someone who came to Brisbane on a minimum contract for to be a yeah. second choice goalkeeper to now be uh, what was back to back club yeah. champions basically
2: and received a massive amount of stick when he first got here if you recall well,
0: yeah absolutely but it does show how much he's grown as a keeper and yeah. I think you know congratulations to Jamie Young Ove Bortiak did win the Players Player of the Year.
2: Yeah, and look, Not I mean, just for his Instagram work. I, for all sorts of reasons, probably. But look, he was... he was. I thought he was the team's best player. And Adam's... I'm, I'd be really curious to find out how the Gary Wilkins medal is, is tallied up. Is it just he chooses his best player of the season or is there something out some other... Criteria because it's obviously the players don't vote on it because there's a separate award for that player. Player, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd just be curious to find out exactly might, how that
1: might be a question yeah. for a certain CEO. Uh, it's not something. questioning
2: the decision to give Jamie the mm. award. I just don't, no, I don't know how it's yeah how the process. It's a curiosity works. rather than a query. Yeah. No,
1: look, as I said, look, let's be clear. This no, we're not saying oh he doesn't deserve it or anything like that. Um, look, Jamie Young is deserving. Like I said, it's just a matter of yeah, we would just be interested how. I think actually I think more than just us, I think the, the raw public that sort of still engaged this point. Um would be interested to see how, how they come up with that.
0: Certainly. And the most awkward award of the night, golden boot went to Adam Taggart.
2: I'm sure he'll get it in the mail.
0: Yes. And uh breakthrough player of the year, Dylan Wensel Hall's also known as Automatic.
1: Oh mind? look, that's the thing is is that he, he did like Again, deserving winner, but uh, look, I think that um, that award may may have been he, he would have had a lot lot less competition, you know, probably two or three months ago. I think, you know, seeing the likes of Zach Duncan and you know, Isaac Powell sort of come, come through the ranks in the back end of the season, obviously probably not enough compared to to Dylan, but that that probably wasn't as straightforward as it would have been probably three months ago, and if things had been going
2: well. And a good reward for his first season in the professional game moving from Western Pride.
0: And also, we should point out as well, for Wenzel Halls, he, he came in with a lot of expectations yeah. after the way he was scoring for fun at NPL level. And I honestly think if he'd started week one, he wouldn't have scored as many goals as he did this season.
1: Just, just one thing as well, that you, know, you think 12 months ago, Dylan was still a Western Pride player and it just shows 12 months later that you know i think it'd be a lesson to to all sort of especially the younger brigade of mpl players up there that there is there is hope that you can be you know you can actually you
0: know achieve something as a professional
2: there's yeah. plenty of spots at the raw that's for sure oh yeah yes
0: we'll get on that in a little bit uh w league awards player of the year claire polkinghorn another one of those ones where i don't think she was bad by any stretch this season but for me there were more players that stood out ahead of her to be yeah. a- totally honest like I think she was still good but unfortunately she's one of those players that does have such a high bar to clear because of the standard that she sets every year.
2: It's the second time Claire has won the Raw Player of the Year and I I do think she had a pretty good year all told it's just it wasn't quite as dominant as her year the season prior where she was voted the best player in the league alongside Sam Kerr so it was maybe slightly down on that but it was still a fantastic season and it's actually funny because Claire and Celeste Bray actually swapped awards last year Celeste Bray, one player of the year, and Claire Toko, and players' player this year. It's the other way around, so Celeste it's funny Bray. how that happens. Yeah, and Bray
0: would have been one of my picks for the yeah. W League player of the year as well. I, I
1: was thrown. I was thrown. Uh, yeah, those two, and probably Jenna McCormick. I think might have been probably the other one. Sort of. I left that, that for
2: race. you. Yeah, I also think Nagasato would have been. Yeah, right at the top the of other this one. as well. And even
1: even um, uh, Chiyama Ibaggu, I think. A you bogey. a goose. Sorry. It right. Get it right. <laughs> so, it did a few weeks ago. It to took four months name. to get that right. Yeah. Yeah. I even think she. So, look, but yeah, look, I, I... Claire is Claire, I guess. You know, she's, yeah. you know, like I said, she's
0: rock solid at the back and probably deserves it. And the breakthrough player of the year was India Paige Riley for scoring her debut goal with her butt and giving one of the funniest post game interviews after that game. Yeah, never in doubt, really. <laughs> 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 no, no,
1: look, in all, in all seriousness, again, um, a lot, like the, like the mental point, you know, there, there were a couple of you know, challenges, you know, that of, with young up-and-coming players come through. I, I think of you know Anna McGrath, you know, um, Leah Davidson, you know, sort of had bit pieces, yeah. but um, I think yeah, India was the one that sort of made the impact. I think yeah. she was the one that came with the most hype into the season, at, coming up from MPLW up into the uh, W League. So you know, congratulations to her. That's all.
2: what I was going to say. India probably had the most impact of those three young players. Hmm. That's on it. the season the Raw had
0: and a quick uh, side note as well uh, Indy Page Rally came off the bench and scored against Nepal for the young Matildas yes in, as part of their 11-1 win over Nepal in the AFC under 19 championships I believe qualifiers qualifiers yep. yeah. and uh, they also beat Myanmar 3-1 in game 2 game 3 is tonight Tuesday night against Uzbekistan where a draw will guarantee a spot in the finals in Thailand uh, Annalie Grove started both games to date and uh, Lee Leah Davidson came off the bench against Myanmar and Holly Palmer is yet to play. So, a yeah. bit of an update on the W League squad as well and obviously, as mentioned in segment two, so yeah. quite a few of them are still running around in NPLW yeah. as well. So, feel free to go check them out because mm-hmm. I'm sure they would appreciate the support. Now, we'll get on to uh, the other story that we were going Hang to on talk before
2: about. Before we move on from the awards, like you're missing, you're glossing over the most important award.
0: Yes. Ah. The Hall of Fame. Yes, that's right. Matt Mackay became the third inductee. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. I'm not trying to kick you out of my house sooner than <laughs> expected. Um, Can't cross
2: over that. That's a yes. A highly fitting honour, and I'm sure there's a couple of other players. Well, certainly one other player who retired from the Raw this year who won't be far behind in joining that club. I
0: think that may be part of the reason why they're only inducting one at a time, potentially, yeah. where maybe next year there might not be a, an inductee in the current playing squad that's you know, potentially considered yeah. worthy of inducting, so you've got Enrique in your back pocket.
2: I think it's also good you introduce one, own maximum of one each. You don't have to do one every year, but a maximum of one, so that player has their own unique night and it's about them being in the Hall of Fame, not multiple at the same time.
1: I think of the current, this is with all due respect, I can only really like I have mentioned Enrique, he's probably the only one I could probably think of at the moment that probably could go on to the Hall of Fame. The only other one I can think of would be Claire Polkorn, but I would suspect that she would have a number of years left in her. So it might be one for down the road, but look, I think it's clear that she's going to go in eventually.
0: One name I will throw out actually for the Hall of Fame as well, and continuing on the uh, theme from Michael Theo last year, I think if Jamie Young wins another uh, Player of the Year award and helps get the Raw into the finals next season and, you know, possibly win some silverware yeah. as well, then he becomes a candidate as well.
1: If we're if we quickly spitballing other sort of potential candidates, I'll throw one out that may be very polarising. That's best up, No,
2: he's in. He's in. Oh, look, the the I, one, I, think, I think we're in agreement to me, he's I, think, in.
1: I think some of our listeners may disagree, yeah. but... I
2: actually think Jack Hingott might be a lot closer than people think as well, given he will play 200 games for the Raw. That's pretty... I know he hasn't... Unless Had he signs th- for victory or City. Well, that's true. He hasn't had, he hadn't had that success in terms of team success yet, but if he can have that before the end of his career, 200-plus games and a trophy, that's going to put you firmly in contention.
0: Yes, definitely. All right, so the other bit of breaking news that came out around about lunchtime today was the Raw confirming a whole lot of player departures. Now, we're going to get into them in a little bit more detail next week, but I did want to get our instant reactions before we wrap up tonight. Uh, media release came out. So uh, Matt McKay announced his retirement, as we knew, Enrique, also, uh, leaving the Raw, uh, came out over the weekend, Thomas Christensen will be departing as well, I think that came out Saturday morning, Yeah. Yep. when I was going to see Avengers Endgame for the second time.
2: That's did you get for going to the movies, you miss things.
0: I know, especially a three hour one. Uh, it was confirmed at Sunday's, uh, gala dinner that Luke DeVere and Brett Holman would also be departing at season's end, I kind of thought Brett Holman departed at the end of last season, but that's just me, uh. And he, he comes with the payroll. <laughs> and also departing the raw are Bortiak, Ellie Babal, Joe Coletti, Charles Ocalingo, Alex Lopez, Tobias Mickelson, Stefan Negro, Andrew Tongyek,
2: Brendan White as well, and
0: Brendan White as well, who was not in the media email which I'm reading right now.
2: It was a very much a um, Homer Simpson coaching parody from Robbie Fowler. Oh, right. We've wasn't got to it? record that gag. Yeah. Ah uh, well, there's we'll a, a we lot of up. there's a lot of players left. I don't think there's too many surprises in that. In all in all seriousness, I mean. We all expected a clear out and it's been well and truly delivered. And they haven't wasted any time. <laughs> no, they either. haven't. So,
0: yeah, I'm I'm not surprised. I think the only ones I would have would have been happy to have seen them keep would have been tongik Maybe Alex Lopez, but we also don't know what type of yeah. team uh, Robbie Fowler's going to want to deploy next <laughs> season. And
2: maybe Lopez just won't fit. That's why I was thinking tongik would be the one that I would keep as that defender. He's done pretty well since he's been here for me. I thought he might have been kept, but... Ahead of maybe one of the others, but either way, I think I, there's, the rest of them. I don't think you can argue too much about
1: trying to serve. you know, just just the um, obviously the cuts, and I think uh, we we knew there were going to be is going to be a clean out, but fourteen players inside a week, and some choosing to others, you know, gone um, whether they whether they chose to or not. Um, it, to me, it it seems as though that yeah, basically, I think the I think the word clean slate, I think, is the Best word to yeah. describe what Robbie Fowler wants, I think, you know, other than those who are actually I well, He's got it. Yeah, I, I think it's what, what he wanted. Yeah. So, look, at the end of the day, um, I guess it's, it's removing the excuse of, you know, oh, I inherited this squad um, from Robbie Fowler if it all goes pear-shaped this time next year because he is going to get his side that he wants. And, yeah. look for, and we'll have to wait and see if it's going to be good or bad. But, um, yeah, look, it's just... Um, I guess the speed of it was more. But um, as far as... Look, I'm not... To be honest, I'm not struck by any... Of those um, of those departures, I think they're they're all sort of. I think they're all coming. I think uh, pretty much anyone that didn't have a contract, I think was going to be was going to be in, was gonna be, um, in trouble. I yeah. Should say in trouble, but was stuck. It was, was going to depart the club
0: potentially. Potentially,
2: potentially show the exit door. Yeah. yeah, I think the two that we are still waiting to hear about are Dan- Daniel Bowles and Jacob yeah. Pepper. Yeah. and I think the fact that they weren't included in this list today is probably good news for them.
0: I think there is an interest in keeping at least one of them around. Yeah. Uh, for all we know, we could see Jacob Pepper return to midfield. Yeah, because so we were trying to
1: think about of who's remaining at the moment for getting any um, new signings for next season. And defensively, they've got a little bit, you know, left. Uh, obviously, you'll have Jack Hinger and Conor O'Toole come back from long, long layoffs. But the midfield has just been completely gutted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know. I think uh, Bortiak is obviously the name that really jumps out there. He was, you know, the main marquee, Players Player of the yeah. Year and everything. But I, I, I'm going to be honest, I honestly think they can find a better player than him.
1: Look, at yeah. the end of the day, just to, just to my just my take on Bortiak, I think it's one where I think he's chosen to leave. Um, look, marquee player, a million dollars a season, allegedly, or the word allegedly, that's what's reported. Um, look, at the end of the day, you know, he. I think as the, that marquee, He probably didn't live up to it, I think. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah. and I I don't think, yeah, it's one of those ones where the the standards are so much higher when you're looking at a marquee player.
2: It's unfortunate he probably hit Brisbane at the wrong time. When he got here, things were just starting to dip. Obviously, they went from third down to sixth last year, then down to ninth this year. A long rebuild required now. It probably was not... uh, He was probably the right player at the wrong time. If he was in one of those teams when the Royal were flying under Ange or Mike Mulvey, he... We would have a lot diff lot I a different view on him and his time here. Hypothetically. Just just you know, one last question to close this out on.
0: If they'd so- if they'd signed twenty seventeen September twenty seventeen Eric Bortiak mm-hmm. instead of Thomas Broich, do you think we would be talking about Eric Bortiak in the same breath as Thomas Broich?
2: No. <sighs> no, because there's no one like Thomas Broich in the history of the A League and I've had an absolute gut full of people trying to say Diego Castro is can the man win something first? Yeah, Has, can he win? Can he at least win a A League first before we start saying he's the greatest of the history of the A League? Oh, can he like, try to the whole?
1: Look, the whole comparison between Thomas Broach yeah. and and Diego Castro is laughable. Yeah. Um, look, and that, that's like I said. Yeah, it's a very biased point of view, but also look at the yeah. facts. Look at why he's yeah. won. Um, look, that's not saying Diego Castro is not one in one of the five best players in the A League of all time. But there's no comparison compared to Thomas Broich. I think it's yeah. a laughable debate. Go um, you know, fuelled by you know very very cocky and confident Perth um, supporters who
0: you know look justifiably. To be fair, uh, they were saying the same yeah. thing about Castro last year when they weren't yeah. top of the table as well.
2: I think to go right back to the start of the Show. You mentioned 3,528 days or something since the Raw missed the finals. Yeah. Well, since that in the is seven years here, five times out of 70, finished in the, t- the te- Brisbane finished in the top three. Yeah. Five times a finish in the top three, and obviously we know everything they've won. So not only was he by far and away the league's best player, he lifted his team to be the best in the competition by a mile. Castro's had his team finish in the top th- top of the table once in four years here. Come on, please. And also... like I know he's good. St- I'll give him this. He's a good jump. player and he's great to watch, but there's layers to this thing. I, I All Absolutely I would say agree. on that
0: is, look... Diego Castro is one of the best players in A-League history, to come to the A-League in the competition's history. Thomas Broach is the best.
2: I I I highly enjoy watching Castro.
0: I have no problem comparing Castro to the likes of Bessart Barisha or even...
2: Milos Ninkovic is another one who you have to put in that discussion. Even Ninkovic, yes,
0: exactly. And truthfully, I would take Ninkovic over Castro, but that's just... You're not really going wrong with either player there, but... That's just where I would come down on it. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about next week. I believe we'll be
2: back on Monday. We are ignoring the finals, are we? Yeah. Okay. We're out of
0: time, and frankly, Brisbane are out of it. We'll we'll make our picks next week when we can seem a little bit more like geniuses. What do you say? (laughs) All
1: right. Most of me. Well, at least least we'll be six down to four, so we can
2: really
0: narrow in on... That's it. All right, so that's going to be for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam.
2: Yeah, thanks, James. Good seeing seeing you again, James, Adam.
0: Yes, that's it. Get out to your local football this weekend since there's no A-League. I know you two will be and I'll try my best as well. We're
1: still discussing it.
0: Yes. Um, And make sure you tune into our NPL post-game shows over the weekend on Facebook. And also, stay tuned for our season finale next Monday. Are you calling a game this weekend? Not that I'm aware of, no. So, you'll be saved from my dulcet tones. (laughs) All right, Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next Monday. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.